Welcome everyone to today's episode of the Mind of a Matter podcast. I'm your host Shane and if you haven't already, don't forget to click that follow button so that you never miss a new episode. Also, if you want to get more motivational inspiration in your life, do follow me on Instagram at Shane underscore the one and only so that I can fill your news feed with extra motivation. Now, in today's episode, we're going to be talking about the five types of languages of love and apology. So these two concepts were created by Dr. Gary Chapman, who did write two separate books on it. And what I'm going to be doing for this episode is basically summarizing these two books so that it will give you a better understanding. Um, And I can guarantee you that it will greatly improve, you know, your relationships, whether it's with your romantic partner, your friends, or even your family. Um, Even for those parents, you know, that are listening right now, once you've learned and understood the five types of languages for love and apology, it will not only improve your relationship with your partner, you know, your husband or wife, but also with your kids as well. How will it improve your relationship with your kids? You know, that I'll get into uh, later on. But what I'm going to be doing right now is basically I'll talk about the five types of languages for love first, and then I'll go into the apology side of it. Now, where love isn't concerned, so the five languages of love is basically words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. And what this means is that there are basically five different ways of expressing and receiving love. Now, it's common knowledge that not everyone communicates love in the same way. And likewise, people also have different ways that they prefer to receive love. So, you know, we we may all relate to most of these languages, but each of us has one that speaks to us the most. So discovering you and your partner's primary love language and speaking that language regularly, it will definitely help create a better understanding of each other's needs. And this will therefore, you know, support each other's growth. So For the first type of language of love, which is words of affirmation, people with words of affirmation as a love language, you know, they value, um, you know, verbal acknowledgements of affection. And, you know, this could be anything from uh, frequent I love you's, uh, compliments, words of appreciation, um, verbal encouragement, you know, and so on. So... People who um, have this language as a primary language, these types of expressions, you know, like the I love you's compliments, you know, and, and so on. So these expressions will make them feel more understood and appreciated. So if you're someone who has this type of language as a primary language for you, or if your friend or family member or your partner has this as their primary, you would want to show them love by, um, you know, spoken or written language of 
words of affirmation. You know, like I said earlier, you know, frequent I love yous or compliments, you know, stuff which will shows them that, you know, you support them and love them. You know, true written or spoken words. So now the second type of language for love is quality time, right? So people whose language is quality time, they feel the most love when, you know, their partner or friend or family member, you know, actively wants to spend time with them and is always down to hang out. So they particularly love when, you know, active listening is, um, you know, there or, you know, frequent eye contact or, you know, full presence is prioritized in the relationship. So basically, this love language is all about giving your, um, you know, undivided attention to that one special person, you know, without the distraction of, you know, the TV or, you know, your phone or, you know, any other outside interference. So people who have this language as the primary language, you know, they have a strong desire to actively spend time with their significant other to create meaningful conversations or, you know, sharing um, recreational activities, you know, whatever that may be for you. So people who practice this love language as their primary, you know, you want to show your love for them by, you know, basically spending quality time with them, you know. Now, the third type of love language is acts of service. So if your primary love language is acts of service, you will value your partner more when they go out of their way to make your life easier. So it could be anything like um, if your partner were to bring you soup when you're sick or, you know, making your coffee for you in the morning or picking up your laundry, you know, anything that resembles them doing something for you without being asked for the sake of helping you and, you know, make things easier, people like this will feel love the most. So this love language is for people who believe that action speaks louder than words. And I know from that saying itself, you guys should get an understanding of, you know, what this primary love language is about. So unlike those who prefer to hear how much they're cared for, people who practice this primary language, uh, love language, they want to be shown how they're appreciated, you know. So doing the smaller and bigger, you know, activities to make their lives easier or, you know, more comfortable is highly cherished by people who practice this love language. Now, the fourth type of love language is gifts. And, you know, with the word gifts as well, this should be pretty straightforward for anyone who's listening. So basically, people who practice this love language, they like um, feeling love when they receive gifts from their partner. So it's as simple as, you know, you feel loved when people give you visual symbols of love. So what does visual symbols of love mean? So it doesn't necessarily mean that the gift has to be 
you know, of monetary value, but it also could just be something that has a symbolic thought behind them. So, for example, you know, people with this style of love language, you know, they recognize and value the gift-giving process, meaning to say the careful reflection, uh, the deliberate choosing of the object, you know, to represent the relationship and the emotional benefits from receiving the gift itself. So, basically, people whose love language is receiving gifts they enjoy being gifted something that is both physical and meaningful. So the key here is to give meaningful things that matter to them, which reflects their values and not necessarily yours. So people who practice, you know, this love language, if you want to show your love to them, you want to give them something which uh, will mean to them a lot, which represents their value. So it's not about just giving them something for the sake of giving. It's more so giving something that has, uh, you know, value for them. Now, the fifth and last type of love language is physical touch. Now, this is also uh, pretty straightforward. But what this means is basically that People with physical touch as a primary love language, um, they feel loved the most when they receive, you know, physical signs of affection, uh, you know, which includes kissing, holding hands, um, hugging, cuddling on the couch, and, you know, even sex. So, you know, physical intimacy and touch can be um, you know, incredibly affirming and can serve as a powerful uh, emotional connector for people with this love language. So now the roots of this, according to some psychologists, you know, the roots can go back to our childhood. So, you know, meaning to say people who uh, practice this as their primary love language, this can, you know, go back to their childhood whereby you know some people only felt deep affection and love by their parents you know when they were held you know kissed or touched so this transcended you know into their adulthood so essentially you know people who communicate their appreciation through this language um, basically feel appreciated when they are hugged kissed or cuddled or as i said earlier even through sex as well so basically they value the feeling of warmth and comfort that comes with physical touch so basically you know that's the five types of love language which you know each of us has a primary language which we uh focus on so once you've understood each type you will definitely be uh, be better able to show your love to your partner. Um, and if you're curious as to what your love language is or what your partner or friend or family's love langu language is, and if you don't know how to figure that out, you can do uh, the tests online, um, which basically it will tell you what your primary love language is. So... 
You can just search the five types of love language on Google and it will show you um, the tests from different websites that you can use. If, however, you want to use the website that I use for myself and my relationships, you can head over to my Instagram where the video that I posted on this topic has a link to that love language. So do check that out. Okay, so now that we've covered the five types of languages of love, let's go into the five types of languages for apology. Now, for many of us, there is one primary language of apology that is most important. And, you know, speaking from experience as well, I've, you know, in the past felt that sometimes whenever I apologize to someone, you know, the message didn't really go through or... You know, I felt like they really didn't accept my my apology, you know, wholeheartedly. And I'm sure many of you listening as well has, you know, probably gone through something similar. So in the five languages of apology, we learn that there are five languages of apology and we all receive the most sincere apology when one primary language is spoken. So... It is time that we learn the five languages of apology and learn to speak each one fluently. So let's also play, uh, pay close attention to that primary language that speaks to our loved ones and to us the most. And I can guarantee you guys, you know, just like the types of love language, once you've learned the languages of apology, this will definitely greatly improve all your relationships, no matter what, because you would have known how to apologize to someone sincerely. Okay, so the five types of languages of apology are expressing regret, accepting responsibility, making restitution, genuinely repenting, and requesting forgiveness. So let's go into each one a little bit more deeper. So For expressing regret, for most people, an apology is not really an apology unless they hear the words, I'm sorry. So for many of us, in order for people to truly forgive, we need to see that the person who has injured us regrets what they have done. This is the most essential element of this type of apology. But, you know, some people feel it more keenly than others. So when it comes to people who, um, you know, use this expressing regret as, you know, their primary language, what they want to hear from you who's apologizing is that you truly regret, um, you know, hurting them, you know, like you truly regret what you did, which caused them pain. That's all they want to hear. And most importantly, the words, you know, I'm sorry. Now, the second type of um, apology is accepting responsibility. Now, we can all find good reasons and explanations for why we behave badly. You know, I could say stuff like, uh, you know, she was pushing my buttons or I was running late or, you know, she hurt my feelings. You know, whatever the case is, whatever the reason is, it doesn't change the fact that what we did was wrong or hurtful to another person. So... While this element of an apology is similar to expressing regret, many of us also very much need to hear the admission of responsibility. So someone could say something like, 
I'm sorry I hurt you. But in many cases, it's important for us to accept responsibility for having caused the hurt as well. You know, I was wrong to yell at you. Or, you know, I'm sorry I spaced out while navigating. Or, you know, uh, that was my fault. So sometimes we need to express the most sincerity by also accepting responsibility. So people who use this as a primary language, you know, accepting responsibility, aside from wanting to hear you say you're sorry, they also want to hear you say that it is your fault. You know, they don't care about the reasons behind why you did what you did or the excuses. You know, all they want to hear is that you admit to it being your fault. And once you do that, a person who, you know, uses this as a primary language will be more inclined to forgive you more easily. Okay, so the third one of the type of languages for apology is making restitution. Now, Chapman and Thomas explain in their book that sometimes just expressing regret and taking uh, responsibility for our actions is not good enough. What does this mean? So sometimes we need to make restitution to make an apology sincere. So some of you may not understand what this means. So a great example is when a child swipes a toy from another child, okay? If you have a child or, you know, and they take someone else's toy, we don't just encourage the child to apologize, but we also encourage the child to return that toy that was stolen. So what does that mean? When you hurt a family member, a person or a spouse feelings, restitution isn't about returning something that was stolen. It's about reassuring the other person that they are loved. So Chapman and Thomas explain that the damage of an angry word or a betrayal is that we believe that if the person truly loved us, they would not have done such a hurtful thing in the first place. So in this case, Chapman and Thomas suggest we rely on the five languages to make restitution by assuring the injured party of our loved one for them. So for those of you who are listening, if you know someone who uses this as a primary language, what they want from you when you know, you're apologizing is that not only that you accept responsibility or you know, that you're sorry, but they want to see that you still truly care for that person. They want to see that you're willing to do whatever it takes to to, you know, make things work again, if that makes sense. Now, the fourth type of apology is genuinely repenting. So Chapman and Thomas also remind us that the word repentance means to turn around or to change one's mind. So an apology loses its sincerity if you give your loved one no assurance that you will try not to make the same mistake again. So for some of us, and perhaps depending on the severity of the offense, a sincere apology requires that the person verbalize their desire to never hurt you in that way again. So we all know that bad habits can be hard to break, 
But Chapman and Thomas suggest that in addition to telling your loved one you want to change, you make a plan to ensure success. So what does this mean? So this means that if you if a person whose primary language is, you know, genuine repenting, they want you to not only verbally tell them that, you know, you'll change your ways, but they also want to see you, uh, you know, make an effort to do so. It's more like um, for these people, it's, you know, actions speak louder than words. So they not only want to hear you say that you're going to do better or that you're going to change for the better, but they also want to see you through your actions. You know, what are you going to do differently? What are you going to do to change, uh, you know, how you acted, which caused them pain? Okay. Now, the fifth uh, type of apology is requesting forgiveness. Now, this final element of an apology can be the hardest, but for many people, it is also the most important. Requesting that someone free you from the guilt of your offense is a powerful thing and will ultimately set both people free. So Chapman and Thomas explain that asking for forgiveness is difficult for the asker because it means that you're giving up control of the fate of the relationship and it also means accepting the possibility of rejection and admitting failure. Likewise, it's also difficult for many of us to forgive because it can often mean uh, you know, giving up our sense of justice. However, despite the difficulty of actually saying the words, will you forgive me? This has proven for many people to be the secret to healing and renewal of the relationship. Many of us have seen marked improvement in our, in our relationships thanks to, you know, Chapman's love languages and apology languages. So, you know, this is something you should definitely consider. You know, the act of saying, will you forgive me for someone who has requesting forgiveness as their primary uh, apology language. So if you want to apologize to someone and you know that, you know, their type of primary language is uh, requesting forgiveness, all you have to do is look that person in the eye, accept that what you did was wrong, say you're sorry and ask them for forgiveness. But it's also important to understand, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you're also, uh, you know, by doing this, you're also giving them the control over what happens to the relationship because it all depends on whether or not they forgive you. So whatever they decide, whether it's to forgive you or to not, you have to respect, uh, you know, their decision. So whatever it is, when you do this, you have to be prepared for the outcome. Meaning to say, if you ask for someone for their forgiveness and they decline, you cannot get pissed off with them. You cannot get you know, angry or anything. And you just have to accept their decision. So that's the end of this episode from the Mind Over Matter podcast. If you have any questions at all, do feel free to message me on my Instagram at Shane underscore the one and only. 
where I will definitely help you in any way I can free of charge. If you feel like this episode was insightful, then do share it out with your friends and family as well. This whole podcast is about helping people improve themselves, so don't hesitate to message me if you want to. Thanks for listening.